Well, thanks for joining us on Foundational Thoughts. I'm Neil Franks, the president of the Missouri Baptist Foundation, and our podcast is designed to introduce you to some interesting people who will encourage you in areas of faith, finance, and generosity. Today, we get to hear from Glenn Miller. I got to meet Glenn several months ago, and he's one of those guys that, well, have you ever met somebody where your heart just kind of connects with him? Well, that's kind of what happened with Glenn and I. You see, Glenn is very passionate about the local church, and he wants to make sure that the church does an exemplary job when it comes to its finances and when it comes to administration. You're going to enjoy hearing from Glenn Miller today. Hello and welcome to the Foundational Thoughts, the podcast of the Missouri Baptist Foundation. And today I am really excited that I get the chance to talk with Glenn Miller of Miller Management. Glenn, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Very welcome. Glad to be here. Hey, well, tell me, what is Miller Management? Well, first off, I guess I should say you're not the Glenn Miller, but you're a Glenn Miller. Or are you the Glenn Miller? Is that correct? I did play trombone in high school. Okay, you did. I did. But not for Glenn Miller. No. Just as Glenn Miller. Correct. Okay, very good. And so you're not that Glenn Miller, but you're the Glenn Miller that's involved with Miller Management. And what is Miller Management? What do you guys do? Well, we're almost a 30-year-old company, and our, our singular goal is to help churches and nonprofits be more successful through good administration, primarily in accounting. Okay, and what is your background, and how did you get started in that role? Well, I came up through the ranks through church work, church administration. I was a church administrator for a couple of churches. I was a seminary uh, controller for uh, about six years. And just working with churches um, on the front lines and working with seminary and working with churches through the seminary experience, we discovered that churches really didn't have uh, the ability to do accounting and administrative products like they needed to in order to keep up with the current times. Uh, specifically, uh, well, whether it's fast-growing churches or not, uh, old systems don't don't carry us very far in the future. So we designed, uh, we started off with just doing some small bookkeeping, and today we offer a host of services and products uh, to help churches in all areas of church administration. And are you finding that more and more churches are looking to, I guess what you would say, outsource some of those resources? You know, or? when we started in 89, I got a group of guys together, about five of us, <clears throat> and I asked their bankers, lawyers, you know, different folks, and I said, hey, what do you think about this concept? And four out of the five said it'll never fly because <laughs> churches will never outsource and they'll never pay you enough to survive. And so I was okay with failure because I said, this is a calling, this is something I think we have to do. Uh, that one that said yes uh, has been a client for 30 years. Wow. Uh, he's still with us. He's still one of our major clients. And uh, so uh, back in the 80s, 90s, honestly, outsourcing in churches, it really it was a very slow start. Our first 10 years was just painfully slow. Uh, the last 15 years, uh, the pace has accelerated beyond beyond anyone's expectations. And, and what do you attribute that to? Why is that happening? Uh, I think the environment is more complex. You know, back okay. 30, 40, 50 years ago, it was keep the books, write the checks once a week, and no big deal. But now with the level of fraud, with the level of government intervention and reporting, it's become a very complex business to run. And anytime your church is handling, you know, fifty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 a year or up to millions of dollars per year, I think the congregation members have a much higher expectation that we want things done well. We don't mm-hmm. want to give our hard-earned money and ties to people who are going to squander that or commit fraud or in any way misuse those funds. I think every time a fraud case hits the newspaper, there's a real heightened sense of concern that is this happening in my church, wow. and with good reason. Yeah, and so are you seeing just smaller churches wanting to do this, or is this just bigger churches? It's or? actually across the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, we've been very balanced. Our our church population on our service mimics the, the church bell curve of size of churches. So we have churches that are 30 people, 
and we have churches that have 5,000 people on Sunday mornings and everything in between. Wow. And so you offer all kinds of services related to that, like payroll and HR. We you do. Take, you can take care of all of it or take care of portions of that. It's really what the church wants to do, right? Yeah, it really is. And it, it starts with accounting and payroll and taxes and budgeting and all the processes. And not only do we have the services that we provide from as little as clients need through the highest level, but we also have a lot of training that goes along with it. We do workshops all over the country. We do a lot of training. <clears throat> we do customized training for churches as well on site. And so we provide the training and the equipping that goes along with the services. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So are you finding that most churches already know about you and they know about these kind of services that are out there? Or is this kind of a surprise to a lot of our churches that you're able to do this for them? Well, I think the Internet is helping. Okay. Uh, we're seeing a, an increase in the number of inquiries and the number of quotes that we're giving churches and, and the number of clients. We Almost every year we're setting record number of conversions coming on our service. So I think the Internet's helping. Uh, but I think it's just becoming more accepted that uh, teamwork, uh, collaboration, uh, spreading of source, uh, outsourcing, that's just become more part of our culture and it's spreading to the churches. So I think that's only going to accelerate in the future. Wow. And you're pretty passionate about doing this. So for you, this is not just numbers. It really is ministry. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? <clears throat> well, uh, you know, when I, I felt like I was called to ministry when I was first saved at about 12 years old. I remember the church I was in. And my dad was going to Southwestern Seminary at the time to become a pastor. And uh, after church, on the way home, I told him, I said, Dad, I said, I really feel called to ministry. Now, of course, this is the 70s. And so he said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to do music, education, or preaching? <laughs> and I said, no. I said, honestly, I feel like I want to help them with their buildings and the church and the county. I, I felt like I wanted to help on the administration side. And he said, well, there are no jobs in, in that kind of service. You're going to have to preach or wow. do music or, or education. And I, for years and years, I just kind of put it on the shelf thinking, well, I, I must not have a place in church. Uh, and also, too, of course, the size of megachurches. And churches have become a lot larger on sure. average. Uh, as some get smaller, a lot of them are getting larger. So the demand, I think, has changed over the last decades. So there's some complexity that's changed. But then you're also kind of, with, with trying to figure out how to do church finance, I mean, there's complexity, there's taxes, all those things that are implied. Yeah. But you're really kind of interested and passionate about this area of fraud and, yes. and preventing fraud in the church. Yes. For the person who's listening and going, well, that can't ever happen in my church, or that doesn't really happen much. What would you say to somebody with that kind of perception? Well, those are the exact perceptions and attitudes that allow fraud to continue. <clears throat> National, or excuse me, internationally, global fraud right now in 2017 was over $60 billion, and that's B billion, dollars, which is hard for anyone to understand or grasp. And it's worldwide. It's not just in the United States. It's not just in a foreign country. It's, it's here. It's in our neighborhood. Uh, there's lots of studies that show anywhere from one to three churches out of every 10 have had fraud or are in the process of being defrauded. So the, ra the rate of fraud is rampant. And our inability to articulate it, deal with it, embrace it, and then do something about it to get out ahead of it uh, is the problem because it's just allowing it to continue. Uh, the high level of trust within congregation. If you think about your brothers and sisters in Christ serving in a congregation, the trust level is pretty high. Why would a church member ever, ever commit fraud or take money from God? And yet statistics show that more than 80% of fraud is committed by a member that's been at the church more than seven years. 80%? 80% of fraud is committed by long-term church members, not wow. by somebody that just comes in the church and starts stealing. More than seven years, 80%. The, st the statistics are unbelievable, but it has to do with the inherent trust level. And we should trust our brothers and sisters, but I think it was Ronald Reagan that said trust and verify. Yeah. 
And so we don't want to make a people-dependent system. What we want to do is have a system that provides accountability for protection for both the volunteers and staff and leadership, but also protects the church. Well, this sounds pretty similar to a, you know, a financial abuse, like we think of sexual abuse inside of the church, somebody who's trusted, well-known. In yes, fact, you've is. been so concerned about this that you actually have have a degree or have certification in fraud. Tell us about that. Yeah. What is that degree? Well, unfortunately, after after about working fraud cases in churches for about five years, I realized that we were probably not educated enough or professional enough in terms of how we were handling this wave of fraud that was being discovered in church. So 10 years ago, I did the certification program to become a certified fraud examiner. Since then, we've added one other fraud examiner to our staff, and we're training now uh, our third fraud examiner on staff, and that's just to deal with the volume. Wow. And so we're only one firm. We're only we're only in one place, you know, here in the Midwest, and we're only dealing with a small fraction of the actual uh, nationwide fraud happening to churches. So uh, we're gearing up. We're we're working. We've been doing workshops and training for ten years on the subject, but it's not a real popular subject. Uh, it's our best workshop. It's our most important workshop. But it's also not our highest attended workshop. We just don't want to deal with it no. or think about it. or have no, it. not at all. If we find something about it, we may have yeah. to do something about now, it. Now, where we do get a lot of attendance is when fraud strikes in a community. Everybody calls us and said, can you do a workshop? Wow. Which has happened to us no less than a dozen times. And so we go into that region. We're prepared. We take immediate action, kind of almost like a Red Cross type scenario. We literally pick up and we'll go to those towns and we'll hold fraud workshops. Uh, unfortunately, it takes that kind of public shame and public tragedy to create change. And so we're, we would like to see us as a church get out ahead of the fraud problem, which is the, the resources that we're trying to, to provide now. Wow. So if there's a church member out there who's interested in getting some help financially for the church, how to manage the finances, some of our churches are getting older and the person has been doing it for all these years. Yes getting older, doesn't want to do yes. it, nobody wants to take over, you can handle yep. that. Absolutely. You've got a church that's a, a mega church that's getting bigger and bigger and more complex systems, you can help with that. Absolutely. And you can also help prevent fraud through the process of trying to do good business. Absolutely. So if a person's interested in any of those things, how do they get in touch with Miller Management? The, the best way is just to go to our, our new website, which is uh, goodfaithaccounting.com. Goodfaithaccounting.com. That's it. And that has all the information on it. You'll see our staff there, our credentials, our company history, the products and services. Everything's pretty, it does a pretty good job telling the story. All right. Well, Glenn, thanks for taking some time here today on Foundational Thoughts to share what Miller Management might be able to do for your church. Thanks for joining us, Foundational Thoughts, the podcast of the Missouri Baptist Foundation. (laughs) 